Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. In today's episode, I want to have a conversation about what it means to interior designers, me very much included, when people in our world ask for favors. And by favors, I mean help with their projects and with the expectation that it would be free. Now, this can get to be a very uncomfortable topic, but it is one that is truly valuable for both homeowners and designers to hear from my personal experience over the years. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So today I want to take on a topic that I've had a couple of designers reach out to me about, and two of which are inside my course, Renovation Management for Interior Designers. And that is the topic of favors. Now, there's all sorts of favors, and and I am not opposed to doing a favor for friends or a family or coworker or whomever, um, so long as it is under my control and my choice, and I don't feel pressured to give this favor. So if you've been listening for a while, you'll hear me reference things over the years I've experienced. Um, Some of my favorite stories is if my husband and I are invited over to someone's home for a Christmas party or a cocktail party or a dinner party, and then all of a sudden I look around and realize that I'm alone in a room with the homeowner, typically the wife, and no one else is with us. And it occurs to me that the party is in the other room. And she's asking me what I think about fill in the blank, the curtains or the area rug or thoughts she's having about redoing her kitchen and what have you. Literally, I have heard it all. And while obviously that's an uncomfortable situation because I am there as a guest, It is very frustrating because, one, I'm a giver. I'm a people pleaser, and most interior designers actually are, and it's probably not our best trait. But we we want to be helpful. We want to share our experience, share our knowledge. So inevitably, I give advice. And I'll always caution it with, hey, this is just off the cuff, in the moment. Because what people need to understand is that is not how we give advice on a typical project, right? We get to know clients. We ask them lots and lots of questions. We do a lot of research. We explore other areas of their home. We find out how they live and who lives with them and on and on and on. So a spur of the moment, hey, Renee, what do you think of blank, really actually won't get them the best, fullest answer. It will get my best advice with the information I have in hand, but that really isn't the fullest advice that they are probably seeking. And then, of course, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, there's an attorney in the room. Are you going to ask him for some free legal advice? And please don't get me started on that because I am well aware that my industry struggles tremendously with 
legitimacy. And and I have been in this industry for 29 years. I did the schooling route. I am certified. I'm NCIDQ qualified, which is the highest licensing you can get in this country. And truthfully, it is meaningless in Delaware where I work. So it is very frustrating to me. And I do hear from ASID legislation they're trying to get through on licensing and how to elevate our profession. And frankly, I've been hearing it for now decades and it really hasn't gone anywhere. So unfortunately, designers listening, you have to understand that these people that are asking me questions in their living room when the rest of the gang is in the dining room, they're not or I don't believe they're being rude or treating me as lesser than, say, the doctor or the attorney in the next room. They see my profession more as a structured hobby, let's say. Maybe that's not the best terminology, but they think of it as more accessible. And frankly, some people are stunned when I say I went to graduate school and Let's be real. I went to the best graduate school this country has to offer, the New York School of Interior Design. So people are always like, wow, oh gosh, I didn't know you needed to go to school for this. So, and that's another episode that I may or may never record. But today, let's talk more about favors. So that's one experience, right? I've had that countless times. Typically, for you designers listening, how do I handle it? And that's what one of the members inside the course was asking. And to be frank, I give some advice. I have lots of other designer friends. Most of them won't give the advice. They sort of skirt around it, or they change the topic, or they basically excuse themselves from the conversation. I'm not as good about that as as probably I should be. So I will give advice based on what I know in the moment. And I'll even say, hey, this is just off the top of my head. If you really want to get into it, give me a call and we can set up a meeting. And that tends to legitimize what I do in their mind. And honestly, I've had one or two people go, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Renee. Of course, you're here for whatever, the cocktail party, the dinner party, the Christmas party. And it's a gentle way of reminding them that I'm off the clock. I'm a guest in your home and you're not paying me for my services. And I'd rather not be brought into a conversation that I don't know anything about. Right. And I have no homework, no background to utilize in the responses that they're looking for. But I do typically give some sort of advice and mostly so that I can finish the conversation and move on. Now, that is usually off the cuff, 10 minute in and out kind of deal, but I have been asked for lots of favors over the years. And there's a variety of people that will ask. I have been asked by a number of charities to either donate my time for some sort of auction they're having and or do a room and or do some sort of vignette or room in whatever it is they're doing. And I'll be honest, over the years, I have done that. I have given gift certificates for my time and put them in auctions. And frankly, I have never had anyone call me for them. I've been told that they sold. I've been told what they sold for and anticipated someone calling me and no one has ever followed up on it. I'm being told that that's a blessing because I have other designer friends who have done the same thing and they get calls and it's typically more tire kicking than it is an actual project with enough meat on the bones that a designer wants to take on. Now, as far as vignettes or rooms, I have been a part of designer show houses over the years. And frankly, the last one was 
probably a while ago, maybe almost 15 years ago, because they are very expensive to do. And so for designers listening, unless they have changed the way they format them, you pay for everything. You pay up front for whatever it is you're putting in the room, from the paint to the carpet into every other stitch of furniture. So the best way to do it is to be clever. You try to beg, borrow, and steal from all of your vendors. Now, one of the reasons I haven't done a show house in a while is twofold. One, my experience was really, quite honestly, flat. I enjoyed the process. You know, you don't have a client. You can dream big. You can pretty much do whatever you want. I loved meeting the other people that were also involved in the show house. I loved being there when people were coming through, listening to all their off-the-cuff comments. I tried very hard not to look like the designers. So they were really honest and open comments about what they saw, because I will also learn from that if if I can hear what's truly going on in their head. The flip side is I never got any work from the one show house I did that was highly received and tons of local press, but turned into nothing. Now, that's okay. I don't mind. It's got my name out there. It gave me different type of marketing, but no single project came out of that. Now, at the time, I was able to beg, borrow, and steal some of the things out of my own home to do the show house, so it didn't, in the end, cost me a lot of money, but there were still expenses and gobs and gobs of time that, obviously, were crucial to pulling this project off. Now, I've been told in the meantime that showrooms are giving less and less of a discount and certainly less and less of free product for show houses, which I I honestly, I find unfortunate. I had lots of showrooms who were thrilled to be participating in this show house because they got press themselves. And But I guess that's just how things are going these days. Now, there is always a Kip Space show house in New York in May. And if you are a designer or a homeowner listening, I highly recommend a pilgrimage to see one. They are really spectacular. I worked for companies in New York that did rooms in the houses, and it is really amazing. It is truly the best of the best of the designers and really amazing approaches to design. So that's in early May every year, and it's for a great cause, the Kips Bay Girls and Boys Club. It's really something that you should put on your calendar if you're local, and if you don't live anywhere near New York, I would put it on your radar for an upcoming trip. So that's favors inside of someone's home when you're a guest. Show houses are obviously something you can say no to, but be aware that it is mostly a favor. You and your product are bringing in the people to see it. So obviously these show house committees, they need you. So they are basically asking a favor for you to donate all of your time and a lot of money in order to be a part of their program. And lastly, designers, you will find people that you are reaching out to marketing yourself and your skills to may ask you for free work. Now, what does that look like? So for marketing purposes, a lot of designers reach out to realtors, they reach out to contractors, architects, and some will ask for free work. And they will put it in a way of saying something along the lines of, love to see how you worked. I'm working on a bathroom or my sister's working on a bathroom. Maybe you could help her with that and we'll see how it goes. If it goes well, I'd love to refer you to my other clients. And I guess on the surface, it seems reasonable, right? You are trying to 
establish a referral relationship with someone, you're trying to work with that person, if it's an architect or contractor, and they want to test you out. And that on some level makes sense. The problem with that is, and to be fair, I have never agreed to work for free for any of those industries. Because in my opinion, if they get the work for free, they will not value the work that you've done. They will expect more things from you in the future because you were willing to do it in the beginning. Now, I know that is a bitter pill to swallow for a lot of you designers listening to me because I hear constant conversations on Facebook groups I'm in or amongst designers that I know especially newer designers that may not have a full portfolio or more than one or two references for people to call. And I understand how tempting it is, but I can promise you from what I know, the designers who have done the work for free end up either not getting more work from those realtors or contractors or architects or they feel that they are undervalued for the work that they are doing and often feel that they are giving away more than they should be, mainly because they already have. So what does a designer do about that, right? Okay, you're you're new, you don't have a huge portfolio, and trust me, everyone in the business has been in that same situation, right? We've all been new at some point. You need to find a better way to market yourself. You need to find more referrals, and perhaps that means you don't reach out to those auxiliary colleagues until you have those references, right? Maybe you do more word of mouth from client to client, before you start going after the realtors in your area or the architects. That way you will have the solid portfolio and references on your list that you can rely on for those people to trust that you know what you're doing, you have the experiences that they are looking for, and they can be confident to refer you to their clients. Because that is a very valuable relationship. And one, quite frankly, I lean on all the time. I have several realtors that automatically refer me no matter what the scope of the project is. They basically leave it up to me as far as whether I'll take the work or not. Same goes with architects and contractors. I have one contractor who will call me and say, I am at my wit's end. I told her to call you, Renee, or I'm done. You know, it it just becomes that second nature to people who trust you and know how you work. And while that is hard to get started, once it's started, it is essential for you to maintain that level of professionalism with these clients so that the person that refers you not only doesn't regret referring you, but will lean on you time and time again, creating the pipeline for you. So let me go back and review. Designers are often asked for free advice. It is what it is. If I could change it, I would do it in a nanosecond because nothing bothers me more than someone asking me for free advice. Now, if I have friends listening to this, But here's the difference. I have people asking me for advice who think that they're entitled to my advice. That's my hard stop. I have other people asking me for advice who are friends, who will ask me for advice. And guess what? I will ask them for advice with whatever it is they do. That I have no problem with, and nor should any designers listening. I have some designer friends who have too hard of a line, in my opinion. And personally, that doesn't serve me well. 
So there is a difference with how someone will ask for advice. And I will even offer advice if I feel that it would be well-received. I'm not going to bump into someone at the local Target and dive into their renovation project because I drove by and saw trucks, right? That would be, quite honestly, weird. But if they are talking about their project and I decide that I would like to enter the conversation on a more professional level, I absolutely do. And you know what? They're very appreciative for it. So it is up to the discretion of the designer in the conversation. But homeowners listening, please understand how we feel. I don't believe you would run into a doctor that you knew and start asking them about some sort of ailment you have, right? You just know that that is not appropriate to do at your local Target. But I can promise you that people ask designers questions all the time. And we want to make sure that you understand that we take our jobs extremely seriously and that we are a working, legitimate profession. So then the second part is show houses and whether they are something of value. Personally, I found it valuable because it was something that I really wanted to do. I took one on by myself. I had worked with firms who had worked on them in the past, but this one was all me. I knew what I was getting into. I knew the costs that would be involved. I didn't know what work would come from it, but that wasn't why I took on the project. And in the end, unfortunately, no projects came from it, but my experience was incredibly valuable. And to be fair, to this day, I still have relationships that I build back from that show house that I do lean on on occasion with other trades and other designers in my area. So there was value that came out of it. It wasn't just in dollars and cents. And then lastly, doing work for free. I really want to empower all the designers listening to not do work for free, whether it is for a realtor or an architect or a contractor. And to be honest, even if it's for a friend or a neighbor, this last piece I didn't mention earlier because it wasn't a referral based situation where I know designers are trying to build their pipeline. But when a neighbor or a friend asks for free advice, I have seen horror stories happen. And it's mainly because they had expectations of the designer that the designer didn't have themselves. So for instance, I had a designer friend helping her neighbor. She thought it was just sort of a duck in, duck out help, you know, advise when things went wrong, things like that. The neighbor thought it was going to be a full blown, she was going to manage the project. And you can imagine that large of a miscommunication, all of the surrounding problems that came out of it. It ended up that the designer ended up doing much more work than she anticipated or had the time to do. She was bitter about the whole process. The neighbor felt shortchanged, even in the end when the designer was doing more work, and they still live near each other. So it is a really uncomfortable position, and I can't encourage designers enough to just say no in the beginning. And while that may seem uncomfortable, it's a moment in time that you're uncomfortable as opposed to weeks upon weeks of uncomfortable moments if you do say yes and things start unraveling. So while this is not something that I love to talk about on any given level, I find that people have to have the ability to have these conversations. One, because designers tend to work alone or in very small offices, and they aren't always sure what other designers are doing. And they may have an architect that's saying, oh, sure, I've, I've had you know, 
firm X, Y, and Z, they did some work for me for free in the beginning. You think, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. And that may have happened. I am just telling you that you shouldn't be doing that for them. Historically speaking, it doesn't have the upside that designers are hoping for. And so it's easier to say, no, thank you in the beginning, stand your ground. You are an equal professional with this architect or contractor or realtor, and then step back, get more experience, get more referrals on your own before you start approaching those professions looking for ongoing referral work. But those are partners that any designer should be looking for to fill out their marketing and hopefully create and maintain a pipeline of ongoing projects going throughout the year. So as always, this one in particular might bring up more questions than answers. Please feel free to reach out to me through either email or direct message me on social media. I am happy to help you with whatever situation you're working with. I can give you some examples of other designers and how they've handled it. And we can work through a process that will maintain the level of professionalism that you are trying to achieve within your business, as well as the broader industry. But for now, I can't thank you enough for your time. And I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today. And feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.